I would like to sing for you a song in Hindi that my guru also translated into English. Hari mai tera hamesha, Hari mai tera hamesha, Dur mein jau, लेकिन मैं तेरा हमेशा हरे मैं तेरा हमेशा मैं जब मरूं अखियां को देखो मैं जब मरूं अखियां को देखो वो तुझे कहे मैं तेरा हमेशा Hari mai tera hamesha Dur mein jau taro merahu I may go far farther than the stars but I will be thine always My Lord I will be thine always Devotees may come, devotees may go. Devotees may come, devotees may go. But I will be thine always. My Lord, I will be thine always. When I die, look into mine eyes. When I die, look into my eyes. They will mutely say, I will be thine always. My Lord, I will be thine always. If we keep God in our heart always, then we find that he is always with us. He's always with us anyway, but it's up to us whether we will make him dynamic to our consciousness, whether we will make his presence a reality. He's always there, but we have to keep him in mind. I would like to read to you from Conversations with Yogananda a thing on one of the obstacles on the spiritual path, which is moods. A certain disciple often suffered from moods. Why do I have them? she asked the master. Moods are caused, he replied, by past overindulgence in sense pleasures. They are the consequence of oversatiety and disgust. Don't give in to them. Frequently, he advised people, if you indulge in moods, they will reawaken your past desire for their opposite pleasures. Thus they will pull you down into delusion again. One might ask, why would indulging in moods reawaken the very desires that caused one to suffer in the first place? The answer, the Master explained, is that life manifests the principle of duality. 
It is like a pendulum, swinging unceasingly, as he put it, back and forth between opposite states of awareness. The further the pendulum swings in one direction, the farther it must swing also back in the other indulgence, that is to say, in the other, in indulgence, in moods. Indulgence returns a person with or without his consent to their opposite pleasures. To stop that unending to and fro movement, the secret is to resist it, as a child does who wants to get off a swing. In this case, the Master said, the solution is to preserve a mental non-attachment. When a child wants to get off a swing, he stops it by resisting both the forward and the backward movements. The same is true for the pendulum swing of life. Resist inwardly the pleasure you feel in anything, and resist also the sadness life brings you in consequence. Strive to be even-minded in all that happens, so that nothing touches you inwardly. This doesn't mean to allow nothing to please you, to become apathetic. Simply realize, rather, that whatever pleasures you enjoy are in yourself, not in outward sensations. Your pleasure that way will actually be all the greater. Now, this is a very important teaching, and one very easily misunderstood, too. So many people, in the name of non-attachment, feel that they should not enjoy anything. But apathy is actually, um, well, it's sort of the fourth state, the boredom state. There's pleasure on one hand, and uh, um, unhappiness, uh, pain on the other. In between, there's boredom, and then the true state... Well, I call that the fourth, this is the third state, boredom and our apathy in between. And you go beyond both of them, and that's when you find that even-mindedness that brings joy. We need to overcome moods, then not by... It's not as if you were being taught to yawn at life. I remember I met a saint in Puri many years ago. He was supposedly at least 132 years old. Certainly he was no spring chicken. And he gave me advice that I thought was not right. It was not in tune with what my guru had taught, but I knew that it was something that many people do teach. And it wasn't that it was false, it was just not adequate. He said you shouldn't enjoy anything. In truth, however, we should enjoy not the thing, but the enjoyment inside. It isn't, in other words, as if every time we see something beautiful, we just sort of turn away, as I said, with a yawn. That's not the answer. Enjoy it, but understand where your joy really springs from. When you see a beautiful sunset, don't say, oh my God, another sunset, how boring. No, you lose the capacity to tune into joy that way. But when you see that and you feel a joyful response inside yourself, tell yourself, oh, it's within myself that I'm feeling it. Because if you can do that, then you'll find that even if, you, if the sun doesn't set in a beautiful cloud, uh, array of splendor. Maybe it's raining. Maybe you don't see a sunset at all. You can just feel the same happiness. In the dark, you can feel the same happiness. In other words, any time that you feel joy from whatever cause, if you understand that that joy is inside yourself, you'll understand also that joy is something you can take with you, like sort of like they have, you know, when they go to the beach, young people will 
take portable radios maybe. Well, you can carry a portable paradise inside yourself. Keep within you that joy and you will see that under all circumstances you can have it. I found that living with a true God-realized guru was a marvelous experience in understanding that joy. He always had it inside. He was never, outward things didn't touch him, but he always had joy inwardly. And because of that inward joy, he was able to enjoy everything. He was not one of those saints, and I know that this is one path to God, but it's not his path, and it's not one that really, it tends to get a little dry. When you refuse to enjoy anything for fear of getting excited by the emotions, you begin to lose touch with your own joy inside. Cling to that joy and then let it spill over into everything that you do. So that, no, I don't mean, and you might have this doubt, am I, is this fellow telling me that when I see somebody suffering I should giggle? <laughs> of course not. What I'm saying is, however, that if you have that joy, you see, as they say, misery loves company, so, do, so also does joy. When you have joy, you want others to feel joy. You can be much more sympathetic to others when you have joy inside than you can if you don't have it. Jean-Paul Sartre, the French nihilist philosopher, um, who was something of a fool in my opinion, he wrote that in this world that bleeds, all joy is obscene. To me, that's one of the most obscene statements I've ever heard. Do you think that you're going to add to anybody's happiness or subtract from their, joy, from their sorrow by suffering with them? It's only with joy that you can help such people. It's only when you feel joy that you can touch their minds, touch their hearts, and make them think that uh, maybe, yes, maybe there is something worth living for in this life. You know, I told you this recently, that when I first, when my first, my, when my guru first made me lecture, I didn't like lecturing. I thought that you get up there and talk, and who really hurt, gets hurt, changed by it? Who hears you? And I used to feel it was something of a waste of time, I have to admit. And I'd sort of look at the clock, waiting for the time to come when I could sort of say a closing prayer and end it all. But then I found, and it took several years before I began to become really convinced of this, I had to be convinced to my core. But I found that, for example, one person told me he had been thinking of committing suicide. And then something that I'd said in a talk gave him faith in life. Somebody else had been an atheist all his life, listening to a talk, and suddenly he believed. And I found that, yes, it did touch people's lives. But the main thing that I've always found is that it's joy that touches them more than anything else. If you have joy and share that with other people, you give them hope. You know, the songs that I've written, you've heard a number of them on the program here. I've written many more, but we just haven't gotten around to recording them all. In fact, two of our best singers are in Italy, so it won't be so easy to record at least with the same group again. But uh, anyway, somebody said to me once, well, you can write happy songs, you've never suffered. I said, no, it's because I've suffered that I have the right to, I've earned the right 
to write happy songs, to learn how to be able to be joyful even in the midst of hardship. This is what the lesson of life is. But one thing I wrote a, I did a a recording many years ago, it was 1965, and uh, of some of these songs I called the record Say Yes to Life. And somebody told me that her brother had been chronically depressed, but when he listened to these songs he felt joyful. Well, isn't that a gift to give? Is it obscene for me to be joyful because he's depressed? Ridiculous. You should find that that joy within yourself that then becomes contagious. But it isn't a mood, and that's the important thing to understand. When you have joy inwardly, it comes from the wellsprings of your own being. As the Adi Shankaracharya said, the goal of life is satchitanandam, joy, eternal joy, ever-conscious joy, unending and ever-new joy. This is the nature of our being. From joy I came, my guru wrote in his beautiful poem, Samadhi, for joy I live, and in sacred joy I melt. When you can find that joy within yourself, you find that it transforms your view of all the world. And not only that, but people who come in contact with you suddenly begin to see that, yes, maybe there is something worth living for. You touch them. You're touching them on a deep level. If you want to touch other people, get to your center, and from that center you will be able to touch their center. True spiritual vision is center everywhere, circumference nowhere. From our own center, we can touch people much more deeply than we ever can at their periphery. Be true to yourself, and you will find that truth touching everyone. You know, I had a very interesting experience. It was many years ago, actually. I was driving home. At that time, I was staying at my parents' house in Atherton, south of San Francisco. And I had an appointment, and I was late. And there was a very heavy rainstorm. I could hardly see 50 feet ahead of me. And I couldn't see 100 feet. And I was feeling kind of frustrated when suddenly the thought came to me, well, if I can't have good weather outside, well, at least let me produce good weather inside. And I, I can't change the weather or the rain and the fog and all that, but I can at least change the way I look at it. As soon as I thought that, this song came into my mind. And uh, it's a song I wrote down. I'm glad there was no traffic cop watching because I probably drove a little bit erratically, but I was writing this, these words before I for- could forget them, and the melody I sang over and over until I wouldn't forget it. There's joy in the heavens, a smile on the mountains, and melody sings everywhere. The flowers are all laughing um, to welcome the morning. All of this um, is something you can have inside. And the thing is that the more you have it inside, the more you can project it into the world. So let's sing this song now for you. There's joy in the heavens. And may you find that your life is an even road 
even without moods, but always realize that in that moodless quality there is no apathy. There is, there can be, there must be joy, the joy of the soul within your own self. Joy to you. Your soul is as free as the air. 